We're going to get cracking in a moment, but before we do, this is an important announcement. The information contained in this podcast is general in nature and does not take into account your personal situation. We don't guarantee the quality of the wine or the banter contained in this content. You should consider whether the information is appropriate for your needs and your daily intake. And where appropriate, seek professional advice from a financial advisor, accountant, bottle shop assistant, or relevant qualified professional. Matters referred to in this podcast are of general nature only and for those of drinking age and should not be relied upon in place of appropriate personal advice or the odd glass of wine on a Friday. To make sure you get the most out of wealth, wine and wisdom, folks, please follow the house rules. Don't be a wallflower. Get involved in the chat. We love to have some questions, feedback and a little bit of commentary along the way. You give us energy, we'll have a good time. Make sure you pour yourself a glass of something wet to wet the whistle. Make sure you get the banter flowing as well. Doesn't matter what you're drinking, whether it's wine, our favourite, beer, coffee, maybe it's a cup of tea, water or even juice. Keep the good energy flowing, folks. There's some house rules. If you don't put your name down, we don't know who you are, you're not coming in. Don't spam or advertise. This is our little game of cricket. This is all about debriefing the week, folks. What's going on out there in the world? And hopefully get you some sanity, maybe a bit of a chuckle at the end of the week so we can all be on the same page and keep moving forward. Make sure you respect your fellow patrons because we don't let any old muck in this place. And most of all, have some fun and enjoy this episode of Wealth, Wine and Wisdom. Hey, folks, welcome to... Oh, yeah. Well, well, There you go. Hey, uh, hello everyone online and everyone in the room. Welcome to uh, Wealth, Wine and Wisdom. We saved up. We hadn't done a Wealth, Wine and Wisdom for about two or three months. Fenton had a baby. Uh, well, well. His, his wife did. Uh, and, I, don't, I don't want to take all the credit. <laughs> uh, these days, well, you never know. It is uh, that type of show. We can go there uh, a little bit later on. It is after hours now, five o'clock officially. We've transitioned from educating and advising and coaching and mentoring to pure opinions uh, fueled by uh, maybe a little bit of uh, angriness, rage and, um, you know, frustration and some wine when it comes to the world of wealth um, uh, this afternoon. So welcome along. We haven't seen our online guests for a while, but we've got about 40 people in the room uh, live here tonight. Give us a shout out in the chat if you've got... Uh, anyone at home there, let us know what you're up to. Whack up the chat, fellas, so we can see who's dialing in here, Someone which would be great that. while we're doing that, Jace. Uh, oh, this... We've got Cherie there. Cherie's in there. Hi. Hey. Uh, we miss you, Cherie. Uh, uh, we've got the other half over here. Uh, but while, uh, while, we're, while we're saying g'day to everybody, Alexis, mate, um, this is a beautiful bottle. Why don't you do the honours in opening that? That's, All right. We'll uh, talk us through it, mate. Like, that's, you know, a, that's a beautiful I'll, present. I'll, I'll try. From, uh, from Brett and Trina. From Thank down you. In the Barossa Valley. Uh, well, tell everyone how we got here um, at home and in the room. Why do we? Why did you and I end up sort of uh, having a glass of wine on a Friday and uh, talking about things that are going on? So if you're new to Wealth, Wine and Wisdom, welcome aboard. It's great to see all of you here. Jason and I have been doing this now for three years. Uh, there'd be a few hundred episodes, I think, now. Yeah. And uh, we started this off at the beginning of COVID when there was legislation dropping left, right and centre. There was... Uh, uh, false news, as uh, Mr. Trump might say, <laughs> and uh, ultimately there was a lot of information, disinformation, bad information that was getting around, but a lot of information that was really important for business owners, investors to know about. 
And unfortunately, all that was there around media was fear-mongering and, and it was hideous. Well done. And uh, so what we did is we spent the days putting our collective brains together on a Friday, just the two of us, trying to dissect the legislation and then bring some sense to our clients. And we found that extraordinarily difficult because there was so much going on. So what we decided to do, rather than talk on a Friday, just the two of us, we decided to just let everybody in on the conversation. And since then, we've helped businesses and investors you know, navigate property, where most people were wanting to sell out instantaneously when COVID hit. Imagine if you'd done that. Business owners, we helped them with the government subsidies and uh, instant asset write-offs and helped them stay up to date with all of that news that was coming and helping dissect information and bring it ultimately to you guys so you can make better decisions and so the quality of your Jesus. <laughs> it's going to be a night, ladies and gentlemen. Do you want some more? I just, yeah, I just think it's a half. It's only one. Half it's pour. a half a glass. It's a half pour. Jesus. <laughs> Jared, if you're out there watching this one's for you, mate. I'm not the only one who pours into a bucket. But, uh, but ultimately, that's what it's about. And as COVID started to settle down, we, the, the media didn't. And, and ultimately, you know, wealth and business is a journey that's tough enough to navigate at the best of times. And when you've got what we call clickbait journalism going on in the background, which is only going to feed you negative stuff about what's happening, our job, as we see it, is to, to bring a bit of fun but also some common sense and bring some facts to the equation so that you know what's going on and it's not all about headlines. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the early version, the working title was Drunk and Disorderly um, for uh, the first few uh, episodes. And, um, you know, these days the idea of a glass of wine to debrief with someone that you trust and bounce off um, is really the conversation. At the end of a week, you know, you know, you've been out there doing the do who do you talk to? Who do you debrief with? And, you know, that's one of the things I value about our relationship, brother, that we get to do that. And, you know, um, we thought it was special for us not only to support each other but also the information that we could help people with. And, you know, welcome to the show. Yeah. How do we do it? How do we do it, Andy? Usually um, it, uh, it was a little bit uh, loose and fast, but these days we try to keep uh, a little bit of something, let's call it a structure in play, We'll call it a structure. You can be the judge. <laughs> and uh, so we decant the week. So we have a look back, see what's been going on, dissect what's been happening in the week so that we can all have a little bit of a conversation and get some better context on what's really going on, on out there. We've got our favourite, which is the number one menace. Uh, and ultimately the number one menace is, you know, who are the people who are making decisions or creating impacts in your world which aren't necessarily helping you or the people around you? And then we look at the perfect pairing. Right, we figure out, well, based on all the challenges that are out there, what are some of the great solutions and different ways that you can look at the world around you in order to make a little bit more sense in the craziness? And then we try and dissect the quality of the wine that we're drinking. <laughs> I usually let Witten here do that as a wine connoisseur of many years. Right, uh, what do you think about this one? It what, tastes what, good, Andy. Is it a red or a yeah. white? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure this one's a red. You, you, you certainly have a, uh, a better, what, what is it called, an olfactory palate, whatever that is, than I. Um, I offended Andy mortally when um, I was drinking $5 wine, um, clean skin from a plastic glass, um, <laughs> and he almost uh, unfriended me. He said, seriously, Witten? And then he sent me some glasses, and they're that nice, I'm too afraid to use them. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he sent me all this fancy stuff. Um, I'm usually, you know, the, the, uh, the, 
you know, the screw cap. Um, but uh, I appreciate you trying to teach me and support me through my wine lessons. But mm-hmm. uh, it's a nice wine. It does le- does taste well. Tastes good. I don't know, Cheers, mate. You should, you should debrief the, the wine or de- decant the wine. It's lovely. Thank you, Tr- uh, Britain Trina, for um, sponsoring this uh, episode through buying the wine. There you go. So, guys, can we have a, the chat down here so we can see all of the participants uh, at, back at home and we can say good day to everyone and see what's actually happening? Um, Deb will put that up. She runs the chat. Those guys are running the bits and pieces. There's Chris there. Evening from Chris. Uh, we've got a few people on. Uh, we've got Peyton. Uh, I may have need my Hello? glasses on. But I, we can't see that far. Uh, we got Jeff. Oh, oh there's Jeff. Too Jeff. <laughs> much red already. It started already. <laughs> Jeff's one of the regulars. Jeff, um, how are you, mate? Uh, Brendan. Yeah. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome back, back Fenton. Fenton. Yeah, cool. thank you, thank you, mate. Everyone's been saying, where's Fenton gone? Well, I'm still here. <laughs> Just about. So, mate, let's get into it. I mean, there's there's been there's a huge amount. We've got a massive episode today. We've also got a, a live studio audience. We're going to take some questions a little bit later on. All right. Let's but, decant uh, the week. Roll the, roll the music. Decant the week. Let's do it. Right. You didn't see the – well, I saw it online. Decant the week. What's going on? Who's going to kick off? Are you going to kick off or you want me to kick off? Mate, you kick off. Let's kick off. I've oh, got mostly menaces oh, on mine. <laughs> you, you got the menace. Oh, well, let's decant the week. Here's what's going on um, in the world of – property or the things that I'm sort of paying attention to, you can see up there. Um, Australian housing, the widening gap, the crisis is there. No shit, Dick Tracy, right? Right. And, you know, it's interesting. I better put my glasses on to, to sort of, you know, have a little look at this. You know, um, and you've got something about first-home buyers in the, the budget, right? And uh, we had a chat today. Sam came along and, and sort of had a, had, a, had a conversation. Immigration, absolutely huge. Immigration, absolutely huge. The supply chain is broken, all right? Australia's new home development, new home construction, 10-year lows, right? 10-year lows. Now, you're thinking, oh, 10-year lows is not a big deal, right? Okay? But what they don't say is what was the population of Australia 10 years ago? Anyone know? It was 22 million, but it was close, right? So 22 million. What's the population of Australia today? 26 million. So it's a 10-year low based on 4 million more people than 10 years ago. Now, does that put it in better perspective? Yeah. It's a disaster. Like, the, we have never seen this in Australia's history, all right? And the pollies are keeping it pretty quiet, to be, to be quite well, frank. Because they're the ones responsible Absolutely. for it. It's a disaster out there, folks, right? A record, record migration, 1.5 million new people into Australia over the next five years. 1.5, so take that as a percentage of the population, right, and then vacancy rates at 0.8%. Across Australia, just over 1% on average, but you go to different places. It is not unseen of, unheard of, not unseen, unheard of that you will, you can search suburbs right now in Australia and there is Nothing to rent. Zero. That's never happened in Australia's history. Zero properties to rent. And Sam was talking about that today. You know, properties turning over. Why? You're not going to move out of the one you got because you've got nowhere to go. Either sell or rent, right? Um, and it's pretty crazy out there, folks. And the perspective for me, Fenton, is that it's not going to get any better. 
um, in the next little short while, and we'll do a, a perfect pairing later on about that one. But let's dive into... I think my act- perfect pair was about getting a TP business. A TP up business. And running. Yeah, well, that's where people are going to be Listen, I'm, I'm telling you. Like, mobile TP business. I tell you, mate, it's got legs. It's got legs. It's I'm got with legs. you, mate. I mean, yep. We'll talk later. <laughs> right? <It's> low cost. <laughs> but, you know, what would the media have you uh, think? You know, what's the general gist out there in the world? Oh, you know, interest rates are going to go up. Quick, don't do anything. Sit around, do nothing. Make no decisions. Like madness. Like here's some things that are happen- happening right now, like literally in the past couple of weeks. Tasmania's um, uh, Tamara's iconic headland property, Sam showed it today, $50 million, record pricing, record, right? So how is it that, you know, oh, oh, there's a problem with the property market or blah, blah, blah. The rhetoric that's happening compared to actually what's going on, very different, um, they're a very different story. Auction clearance rates. <laughs> it was a classic. And actually, on, underneath that in the Fin Review, I think it went uh, property crisis, Record prices. <laughs> I literally, the, 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 the two were underneath each other. And literally three or four months ago, it was the opposite way, wasn't it? Was. The headlines were, were heading towards the worst housing crisis, as in property values dropping. Three months ago. And we, we've had, we had them ad nauseum. And, and to be honest, like when you have a look at those things, it's all rubbish anyway. It's all contextual. When do you lose money? When you sell a property. Right, just because the average value went up or down... down like, who cares? Who cares a rat's ass? Are you selling your property? No? Then, and, right? This is the conversation. What, what they want you to pay attention to is stuff that doesn't matter, mm. right? And we should be paying, to start paying attention to stuff that does matter. Things like this, 15-month auction clearance rate high. So we're now 12 interest rate rises in. Oh, the, the property thing's going to collapse. Well, how, does it, how do we have a 15-month high of clearance auction rates? Something's not adding up. I'm looking for those facts, Fenton. Yeah, I've got my white hat on going, right. this is bullshit, right? Give me some facts, <laughs> right? Melbourne Semi that sold for $2 million over its $3.1 million um, reserve. I don't Jesus. know. Maybe is, that that agent... a, is that because of Bitcoin? <laughs> it could have been. You never know, right? But... Again, a Melbourne semi, really nice, right? It was on, um, uh, it was on the market for three point one, and and, I, and we had a chat, uh, uh, Jeff. You and I were talking about last night. You know, two point five by that thing in iconic, you know, it, and I get it. You know, so, you know, so they had it on for three, and someone paid what five point one. What do you reckon? Do, do they care about getting a 90% LVR from David over there? No. <laughs> They're probably rolling in with cash, right? They just want the thing, all right? And Brisbane, record to be set this year. Smash it, right? This is actually what's happening, and, and um, um, we've got an agency up there, right? We had um, a young, uh, two young people, two young students, right, in their early 20s uh, from Singapore, come into our office, they wanted to rent something, all right? We showed them around. There was very little to rent. They wanted something nice, right? Uh, we said, oh, sorry, we can't help you. They came back the next day and they said, mum and dad have given us $2 million. Show me what we can buy. 
Fucking what? What? I'm not kidding you. Mum right. and Dad, if you're watching, that's the bar. Yeah. That's, that's where the bar's set. <laughs> and, and, uh, and can I get adopted by them, those people, right? <laughs> yeah. no, yeah. Who wants Looking Mum and Dad children. like that, right? Okay. It, what we don't get, what we don't understand is in certain places in spaces, when, it, when we're talking about the demographics right now, it's something to keep an eye on. We talk about Japan all the time, this one here, right? Uh, in Japan, the oldest communities, um, the kids are gone, right? Um, I don't know. So what do you pay attention to? Are you paying attention to, you know, America, you know, fighting with someone? Or are you paying attention to the economies that used to be the biggest and now are declaring situations of emergency, national emergency declared in Japan? What is it? What's the national emergency in Japan, folks? The birth rate. Yeah. Yeah, they have. There is there is nothing that's going to stop the decline of the Japanese economy because now the average age in Japan thirty percent of the people in Japan are aged over over sixty five thirty percent, and by the time they wow. get uh, another twenty years down the track, their birth rate um, is through the floor. It's less than point uh, less than one. Right in their birth rate. Okay, so it's going to be a fun recovery, though, isn't it? Ooh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the way back to prosperity. Let's, let's one go. for you, All one right. for the country, yeah. one for prosperity. Well, well, they, well, they've been putting Viagra and something in the water. Everybody drink up, yeah, right? You know, not, like, not, like not drinking sake. There's again. something like going on, right? Because the birth rates are down, um, and if you don't have, if you don't replace mum and dad, right? Even if you have two children. You just, it's the status quo. Three is growing. And so the strategies, the countries that have open strategies, Japan has very strict immigration laws. Australia's like, okay, well, we're not, we, know, we don't have enough people. We need to get some in, right? Same with, uh, same with New Zealand. But Japan is on the decline, folks, right? They have, they, it's a national emergency in Japan. One of the most amazing places to go visit. And their taxpayer base is declining. Their infrastructure will not be maintained by the population they have. They have to change that, right? Okay. Australia, I think uh, whether it's um, smart or not, Fenton, um, Australia uh, has one plan uh, is have people with money and skills come into our country, right? Whatever you agree or disagree with this, it's actually pretty good economically, but it's causing problems um, um, and they're not managing it very well. Um, if you guys weren't paying attention, for the first time ever, we did a, we did a very serious trade deal with China, our first, uh, not China, India, sorry, okay, um, in 2020, okay? And get this, right? Who's going to be the biggest population? And China just came out with, demographically, they mm. said, oh, holy They're shit. They're on the decline as well. Like, like we've got a problem too. Well, Our they're population missing is 300 million people. 300 million people. How the fuck do you miss 300 million people? <laughs> I thought they were good at math. Yeah, well, weren't they? Clearly not. Well, it's because they go from right to left. Yep. 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 <laughs> all right. So, you know, India's on the rise. Okay. So for all of us, everyone sitting at home listening in, what does that mean? What does that mean to, to us right now? And, and in my world, what does that mean to real estate, right? Here's what it means to real estate, right? Um. Right now, we're sitting in the, in the number one destination for um, Indian students. You know, you heard, you heard um, um, Andrew talk about it last night, right? What does that mean, right? So um, the, 
the, here's the stats. Um, every month, right, every month, one million Indian residents turn 18 every month. Every month. A lot of parties. You're dead right. Every month. Jesus. Right? Australia is, and especially Melbourne and Sydney and then Brisbane, right, the preferred destination for education. We just got pipped by Canada. We used to be the number one and we're now we're number two, right, because we're safe, right? Um, and on average, um, that country, all right, don't answer that, um, <laughs> that country is amassing significant wealth and by all accounts, unless China pulls a rabbit out of the hat, they are going to dwarf China um, by 2050, right, right, by many hundreds of millions of people and Australia's done a pretty good deal with them um, right there. So then that has flow-on consequences as well because when you think about long-term demographics and there's, there's a lot of these conspiracy theories about oil, US currency, China taking over as the next superpower, they, you need sustained growth over long periods of time, not short mass increases, but you also need the, the affluent side of the equation to do yeah. that. And so if China actually starts to go into decline, and that this is just theoretical, well, then that, that potential power shift starts to waver. Yeah. Right? Because all of a sudden you don't have the, the population coming back through. It's not going to keep exploding into the, into the, to the next realm. So capitalism, even though they're not a capitalist country, but they really are, they're a communist capitalist country, it relies on growth, which is, is, is basically the virus mentality. You know, um, sp- uh, divide, spread, grow, take over more. And the more that you do that, the more people, more resources are needed, the greater the size of the economy, and then all of a sudden you become a superpower. Uh, but if that goes out of whack and then all of a sudden you end up with a lot of internal problems and you end up with, oh, and I, I wouldn't want to say it, but the, the days of Tiananmen Square, where you end up with social uprising because what ends up happening is you end up with two top heavy, which means that the young are trying to support the old and the, there's not enough money there. And as a result, something has to give. So, politi- so when we talk about geopolitical issues long term, I think this is something that we need to kind of be looking at because people are always worried about the conspiracy theories of China becoming the next superpower. And I reckon it puts that into an interesting balance mix. Well, it's interesting. We, we did, um, you know, some of you guys might have seen one of the demographic um, political fellows that we heard. Was it at, Dent, was it? No, it wasn't Harry Dent. Uh, Wanker Dent. Um, no, um, not that guy. Don't, <laughs> don't listen I start, to that guy. I start crying he accidentally every time got he talks. It, he accidentally got it right once and he's been flogging his book for 30 years. <laughs> like, turkey. Anyway, you know, um, so, but, you know, the idea right now is that the, those who have the most people in their economies are going to take the economic power. That has always been the case, right? And um, we've only experienced, and, and most of us haven't lived, you know, 200 years or something. Anyone got any, any like elixir of life or whatever, right? So, you know, two or 300 years ago, if you had the most people, you had the biggest economy. Yeah, right? Then comes along, um, you know, the Industrial Revolution. And so if you've got machines and you know how to operate them and you can do that stuff, the likes of America and other places, they industrialised quicker than those places that couldn't, yeah? Right, now everyone else, I mean, 
there's the same machines in America that there is in China. There's the same machines that there, there is in America as there is in India. They're all the same machines. You can get them all over the world. Matter of fact, you can get them cheaper and better and faster locally because they've just copied them, right? Okay. So now what's going to happen, they've got the machines. Everyone's got access to the internet or most of the people that we need to. Like they've got the stuff. Now what's going to count? The population. The population. Now that counts. Now when they all know how to use those tools, those machines, that technology, and there's a billion, two billion in that economy, in that GDP, it's absolutely 100% going to happen. The biggest population will be in control. Now, I don't, I don't think that's going to be bad at all. I don't think it's going to be like, oh, you know, I think that's a silly sausage way to look at things. Shall we manage our own country? Yeah, sure. Totally, 100%. The interesting thing is that Australia has a 2050 plan, and Sam mentioned it today. What's the 2050 plan? What's its number one thing? 40 million people. Doesn't talk about its GDP, doesn't talk about its companies, doesn't talk about anything. Why does it need 40 million people? Sustain. When we have 40 million taxpayers in this country, we will be unstoppable. Our ability to be an amazing country is only held back by our lack of population and infrastructure. And leadership. Oh, well, you fuck <laughs> up. Actually, true. Yeah, let's get some leadership. Like, like you know, um, and I, like I, I'm a big fan of that. Like, which leaders in this country, who's, who's going, right, we've got, a, we got a, they've got this 2050 plan, but they're making decisions based on, like two weeks of getting popular vote. It drives me insane. Anyway, I'll get off track. Yeah. Last but not least, for me, have a look at that. Have a look at that. Where are the skilled workers coming from? Where are they coming from, folks? Yeah. Yeah. And no one noticed it. Nepal. Wow. Look at that. Yeah. Almost as many as. Yeah. Right. This is the sort of thing that we need to understand. All right, here's what I know, um, and it's not profiling, and, and hopefully no one takes offence to this. We know this because we have a lot of new immigrants um, to the country in our, in our property coaching mentoring program. They come from uh, different places in the world, and they go, what? You can, like, join and get coached, and people will fucking show you how to be wealthy in this country? Fucking mind-blowing. They're like, take my money. Like, I'm not kidding you. They, we have families getting together to afford to do this stuff. And they're like, this would never happen where I come from. Are you serious? You, you're kept in a caste system or you're kept here, right? What we, what, what, what we experience is um, those who come from medium density, high density living, right, usually Asian populations, they love the inner city High-rise buildings, they love those buildings. They, they, that's their lifestyle. They love that lifestyle, and Australia's, like, amazing. Um, the the um, majority of people who are investors from, let's say, India or that background, right, what do they love? Land. They love land. They love, like, half of the people who buy the house and land are people from that background. They're like, there's no way I could ever buy land where I come from or now this is my new country, I'm going to take advantage of this. And it's really interesting thinking about that. Stop thinking about what you would do, right? Because you're not the future of your wealth when it comes to who's going to push the values of your real estate 
or other bits and pieces. It's the new people. It's your children and the people coming in are going to push the values. What are they going to do? Right, which is interesting. So that's it from me, Fenton, to count the week. Um, hopefully that was useful, but, you know, there's plenty going on. But here's the drill. There's a lot of people in and coming to Australia. There's nowhere for them to, to live. Like, that's a disaster. On the flip side, if you want to be on the one side of that ledger, own real estate, be in charge of an asset because it's relevant of what happens in the world People still need a place to live. End of story. End of story, right? Okay, and that's that's me, done. What have you got on the menu, big fella? Mate, I've got a bit, uh, but it's kind of a, a little bit of decant the month because we haven't caught up for a little while, but it's also the number one menace. So I reckon we'll, we'll jump into the number one menace. Go, press the button. I don't... So if we jump onto, uh, onto my slides here, look, the number one menace, at it again, uh, they never stop. Uh, we've got the government. And so every, every, does everyone understand that right now we're combating inflation? Does everyone get that? You at home, do you get that? So that all of the policies around uh, should be focused on uh, slowing down inflation. Would that be fair to assume? It'd be fair to assume, wouldn't it? I mean, the politicians are going pretty hard at it at the moment, aren't they? Are they're, they? Yeah, well, they're, they're, well, they're, they're going. Inflation is a massive, Let's massive stop issue. Inflation, it's a problem. I think we've got some issues with your share slide, but you keep talking and we'll, we'll sort it out, folks at home. Stick with us. Technical difficulties, but I'm sure the technical team will work it out. So, number one menace, obviously, it's the government, but let's have a look at this. So, no, they should be fighting inflation right now, right? Because interest rates are going up and they should be fighting inflation. Fair to assume? Yes. Yeah, yeah they want to get inflation under control. Arguably, would be the number one thing that they need to be focusing on. So what I'd love to share with you guys is all of the government initiatives that are around at the moment that are fighting inflation, <laughs> right? Are you happy? Can we talk about this? Yeah. Is this a useful conversation? Yeah. Because as business owners, when something goes wrong within our business, right, we go in there and we go, well, let's fix what's going wrong, right? So let's have a look at all of the government inflation-fighting initiatives, right? So uh, number one, first home buyers, brilliant. Let's, uh, housing is getting too expensive right about now. So what do we do? We give people more money to go and buy more houses. So, uh, so just help me out, Jace. What free, happens when, free, you give, free money. when you give people free money to go out and buy a house? What does that do to house prices, all other things being equal? Well, it goes up. Andy. Well, it goes up, doesn't Damn. it? Inflation. <laughs> no, fuck, they fucked that one up, didn't they? So, yeah, inflation fighting mechanism number one their way of actually combating inflation is to give people more money so that they can then afford to pay more for a house. And then what happens to housing prices? They just go up to compensate. It's already happened before. They did it in the middle of the, the COVID crisis. They gave significant grants to all of those people who, uh, who then went out and took advantage of it. But property prices almost went up by about 10% in, in, a, in a month. Well, you give away, you give away, and we did it, uh, like, and depending on which state you were in, it was between the $50,000 and $65,000 of real cash in your pocket that you did not have to save, you did not have to find, you did not have to earn, nothing. $65,000, right? Like, so if crazy. Any, does anybody remember Gough Whitlam? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. don't say it so passionately. <laughs> he, he, he monumentally fucked the country for quite some time. Uh, but Goff, Goff was a great uh, example of 
what happens economically. He, he went and raised public service wages by about 25% overnight and caused the greatest inflation spike Australia's ever seen. And that ended up causing Australia to have those 19% home loan rates. Right? Has anybody had a 19% home loan rate? Yep. So some people have in the room, right? Now, you need a certain amount of ilk to have, uh, to have experienced that, but most of our parents have experienced that. And that was an absolute horrific point in time. I'm going to need the next one on that right, you uh, just talking. so I can actually see it. I'm sure you can fill in. Fill but in um, so this what's my point. What am I even talking about? <laughs> He's already had too much wine. All right, yeah, there we go. Uh, uh, so Goff, Goff. So ultimately that was the big test case uh, whereby if we give people more money, they spend more money, they buy more stuff, inflation goes up, we've got to get it back under control. So uh Government's first initiative to fight inflation this year was to increase the home buyers again. So, yeah, not going to work. And how they increase the home buyers? You know what they did? You know, I know you can't afford to buy yourself. So, you know oh. what? <laughs> Friends, <laughs> family, or anybody yeah. who gives a fuck yeah. about you yeah. to get together. Uh, it doesn't. You don't have to be related anymore. Just like get together with someone you meet and buy a house. Like just somebody do something. Like two or three of you at least get into it. Like. How's that as a solution? You know what? We fucked it up that bad that nothing works. So we'll just say, listen, just have a crack, whatever. Just. I went out to Chase's Crazy. last night, met this beautiful girl, and uh, we bought a property together. Yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> Got our first home buyer's grant. So number one, not working, right? Initiative, they're talking it. And, and what I'm really going to show you here is the duality of, of what's going on, the irony of their talk, because ultimately political ambivalence, We've been fighting it for a little while, but everyone should get off their ass and actually start asking questions about this stuff. Are there there ministers in their local areas? What's another one? To put more money in people's pockets, they raised welfare, didn't they? They raised welfare. So let's just have a look at the the, the second and third flow-on effects from this. So in a period of time where unemployment is at its lowest point or or in the history of Australia, they raise welfare payments. Who's finding it difficult to hire people for you? Yeah, I mean, like I'm I'm like, yes, right? I've got 20 jobs out, right? Can't get people, right? Okay, so, well, you know, maybe maybe we should, uh, you know, not give free money away. Maybe we should say, hey, listen, what are you guys going to do? Go to work, work. (laughs) maybe. Or put some more constraints around how it operates. And I know that there are people who need these measures in place, but as an inflation-fighting measure, put more money into people's pockets, what does it do to the cost of goods? It goes up. So second initiative from one of the budget <laughs> initiatives doesn't work as well. So they're doing well with their inflation. It's a good thing they're not firefighters, these politicians. <laughs> Otherwise, the country would be on fire. So the next one, which is a classic, so this is going back to Goff. What have they done? They've they raised uh, the minimum wage by 5%. Raised minimum wage by 5%. More money in people's pockets. What does that do to small businesses who rely on that? It increases their bottom line, which what's the second and third flow and effect from that in times where costs of goods are very, very high? What is the one and two and three year effect on that? Less people employed, more businesses fail because they pushed up the wage growth. But what happens to inflation for the next two years? It goes, it goes up. up. Well, it's an interesting one and dovetailing that one into um, immigration, right? So uh, I can't remember who I was chatting to about this. Um, about So someone um, is new to Australia or, or is on a working visa or something, there's actually a ceiling of how much they can make, right? So you go, oh, okay, 
I'll build something around that. And um, I'm pretty sure it was like $56,000. Yeah, cool. That was set, I think, eight, nine years ago. I can't remember the, the time frame. So, so, and it should be changed because inflation and all sorts of things, blah, blah, blah. So it was set. And now in one foul swoop, it's going to go from 50-something thousand to I think it's 72,000 or something like that. Was it $70,000, right? So every single business who has someone in a role in that way, right, is now their, their cost, like do the math on that, straight up, all right? And what does that do? Drive inflation, right? So and I'm not against the idea that it should have been sorted, but you know what? The gutless, spineless politicians should have been indexing it every year so everyone built their, their businesses around it, not like spineless, I will avoid that because that, that might get us a vote, right? And now when the tough times come, it makes it worse and worse and worse. It and pisses th- me off. And this is a problem about the double talk. And, and this is what I, I think is so important is that we understand the double talk because you get peppered with so much BS, you start to believe it. So let's have a look at the next one. They've done really well. They're 0 from 3 now. Uh, so <laughs> how's this? This is the most outrageous thing I've ever seen. Old conspiracy theory, this one. Uh, land releasing – oh, sorry, no, I won't do that one. I'll do the next one. So you would think, given that we've, we've, we've started to identify that we were in a serious, serious uh, property housing crisis, you'd start to think that maybe they go, well, what would be the f- – actually, let me ask you guys. And in Zoom – what would be the first thing if you if you're a government and you go well look there's online, not enough dwelling oh online yeah it's great it has been very specific in here today what would be the first measure that you would do what was the question I don't understand if 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 you if you had all of these housing shortages yes. shortages yes. what would you do as a government what would you do what, if you were the government if what you were would the you government do? what would you do that's what I'd do. But maybe well, on one eye. I'd probably go a little bit further back. What's what, what do you need to do? What, it, what, what you'd stop people from coming in? But release land. Cut the red tape. Yeah. It takes on average about seven years to go from green field to something that can be developed and then it needs to be developed. So this, if you understand right now that we've got a massive shortage and there's a big problem, wouldn't you start to do initiatives about releasing land? Do the one. What, what was the, what was the um, what was the budget and the wording in the budget? We're going to um, uh, support um, rent to build or build to rent. Well, see, that's um, my last. Oh one. yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, that's yeah. my last. I won't one. steal it. But well, let's go there anyway. <laughs> so, so what they're doing right now is they're not releasing more. You'd be going well if we're going to screw it up. Let's at least screw it up so that it creates a different problem down the track, like maybe an oversupply. But at the moment, they're not even doing that. Too lazy. Not too lazy. So what is not supplying anything to a system that is demanding that do? So if you've got a scarce resource and you hold it back so there's less of it in the system, what does it do to the price of it? Puts it up. Puts it up. Inflation measure number three, nothing in the budget, not fighting it. I'm going somewhere with this. Victoria. You know what they did? They said, listen, let's spend $5 billion on building some missiles. Yeah. What's that going to do? That's not going to help housing prices anyway. Keep going. Well, <laughs> it'll, it'll help shoot down some whales. <laughs> then they've got the Victorian land tax. This is unbelievable. Like this is down in Victoria. So they've increased land tax in it, or the threshold. So they decreased the threshold of land tax in Victoria. Oh, that's proposed, I think, at the moment. I'm not sure if it's through yet. They took it down from $300,000 to $50,000. 
Has anybody seen a parcel of land for sale in, a, in Victoria for $50,000? You, you might be able to get a salada, right, somewhere, somewhere on the beach, a little salada. No, so literally they, they've – and so this is meant to curb, curb the cost of housing. It's meant to, you know, be disinflationary. And uh, so just riddle me this. You, you've got a property in Victoria. You're just paying now an extra 2% tax on that. What are you going to do? Put the rent up. What does that do? Inflationary. It's inflationary. They're 0 from 5. Um, and then <laughs> we've got... They're great, mate. <laughs> they've got the Build to Rent initiative. And, and when I was reading through the budget in this, I found the most wonderful wording. It's amazing. It's like this, this stuff gets proofread. I'm dyslexic. I can barely read, right? But when I came past this, it was one of those wonderful glory moments where you just, just marvel at the stupidity, right? It went uh, blah, blah, blah build-to-rent initiative, provide affordable housing in Australia, detail, 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 all of the detail in there, which had nothing to do with affordable housing. And then it goes, in the hope. The hope. In the that there's hope your budget and the that hope. W- that this will create more affordable housing. In the hope. Like, as a government, they're pretty firm on what they state, aren't they? We will do this. This will not create inflation. We are for the people. But we hope. It'll create a little bit more. It's double talk. It's double. It's intentional double talk. They can go back and they say, well, we hoped it did in the past. But here's the thing, and Sam alluded to it today, if you look elsewhere in the world, do you think build-to-rent schemes reduced the rental cost or increased the rental cost on average in Europe? Uh, I think it's mostly Europe where it's Europe been. Europe and the US. US. Yeah. Do you think it increased or decreased it? Increased. It increased it. Well done, government. Affordable housing option, build to rent, just increased the average rent, which is what with inflation? Coming up anyway. Which is inflationary. So everything that the government have been talking about is how bad the inflation problem is and how we need to get it under control. You show me one measure. Do I have my slides up yet? Bugger, I don't. That's a painful one because it took me a little while to do the, do the next slide. But uh, do you know the only measure that I think the government has got to defend themselves against inflation? I'm going to show you guys in the room. <laughs> so if you can see the little bus that's down here, it's got Phil Lowe that's being run over. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, he's the, uh, he's the Reserve Bank chair. At the moment, and I, I've been defending him for a little while, I think he's made some reasonably silly sort of comments at different points in time, but he's got one mechanism, one mechanism to control inflation, and that's interest rates. And what he needs is a government producing policies that don't make his job harder. And the problem is right now they're throwing him under the bus well and truly. They're skidding on him. They're literally dropping the hammer and going through the gears right on his head. (laughs) And you watch, watch, they'll go to kick him out and very few people are going to want the job. So you'll probably end up with somebody very young, very junior, who will come in, this is my prediction, very young, very junior. Usually they're right-fented. Who who will then go in there and that person will be a patsy for a little while because... Ultimately, he's got one mechanism, and inflation's going up. He's putting interest rates up. He's trying to fight inflation. But every move that I see that the government are making is inflationary. Every single move that they're doing, raising wages. And, and here's the reality. 
And it's not a good reality and I don't want it, but it is the case. And the reason why, was it Keating who said the recession that we had to have? Right? Not necessarily in the context that he was talking about, but at times where we've overcooked the economy, we need some hardship. We need to stop spending. We need to actually feel and wear some tougher times in order for inflation to come down. There's a fantastic interview. Um, who was it with? Costello, yeah, Costello and Anderson. I'll tag you guys on it. Like, it's a really good. Basically, none of us are going to pay for what we did in COVID. Who's going to pay for it? Our children, right? Low debt yep. is a youth policy. That's yep. what they said. Low debt is a youth policy. Yeah. And right now the government has ramped up. So a bit of background. The GFC, when we went into the GFC, do you know how much debt we had? Zero debt. Close to, right? That was a Costello policy and it was a youth policy, right? Don't make the young pay for our mistakes. The GFC happened and then we had to print money and we started borrowing money. Sorry, we printed money throughout the GFC. The reason why we survived it better was because China was on fire. We were digging up resources, but we also had a really good balance sheet because we had no debt. Everyone else was in the same situation. Greek had been there for 20 years. Like you want to know how to be bankrupt, just go and speak to the Greece, right? Um, but ultimately, we, our balance sheet was really good. So when it happened, we were in better shape coming out of it and we should have paid for it then. We should have raised taxes. We should have put a little bit, like slowed the economy a little put bit. Put some in the coffers. Put back some in the coffers. Like we do in business, we take a little bit out, we put it back into the war chest, right? But they didn't, just kept on going. And then COVID hit, right? And when COVID hit, we outspent per capita almost twofold the rest of the major Western world. That's a massive number. Went up to basically a trillion dollars. We should answer that. Uh, uh, one, one of the children wanting a pizza. It's <laughs> like, Dad, give me a pizza. I guarantee it. <laughs> and we went up to almost a trillion dollars worth of debt and now we're in exactly the same position as everybody else. We didn't need to do it. The rest of the world did not do it. Now, that was a liberal. I don't, I'm not liberal. Well, I am liberal or labour, but I'm not going to tell you which one. But I'm not vying for a position. I'm vying for accountability when it comes to political decisions. And I think that it's our responsibility to be aware of what's going on here because, yes, we've spent the money, but now we've got this double talk going on where we're fighting inflation, but all we're doing is pumping more money into the system. And the, the, the problem with not taking some pain is that it creates more in a more significant way further on down the track. And, and that is what the potential ramifications of what's happening right now is going to do. And the short-term impact is if we allow for this inflation to keep on getting pushed into the system, then interest rates are going to remain higher for longer. The problem is they're saying, well, you fix it low, and low, low must just be sitting there going, you have got to be joking. Well, well let's talk about that one because, like, um, my, most of you might think I would prefer lower interest rates. I do not, right, because when we had low interest rate, what happened for 10 years to our rents? Nothing. Nothing. Low interest rates are shit house. They're bad for your income, right? Okay, 5 to 6% is good because you know what happens? Rents go up super consistently, right? Okay, values are detached from rents because of other things, right? You know, desirability, all that sort of jazz, right? Ability to borrow, disposable income, blah, blah, blah. But ultimately, at some point, many of you are going to have a significant amount of your income generated from real estate, might, might be 50%, might be more, might be less, right? 
but higher interest rates, not like 10, 15%, we're talking five, six, sevens, right? Actually are very, very, very good for your rents because you put the rents up. Australia went to sleep for a decade. It drove me insane. Like, and like literally, if you look at the stats, the rents went down for the first time ever because our interest rates went down. And they should have been going up. They should have been, they going, should have up, been going up. Right? Nobody wanted to take that. No one wanted to take it, right? So it's, it's interesting. They're going to do it through sneaky mechanisms because they're conniving. I've got three more points I'll do cover it. off on the quickly. We, we want to take some questions and at we'll the do end. Questions. Yep. So I'm just going to summarise. Uh, Victorian rules out deductions on windfall tax. Windfall tax in Victoria, basically, if you've got land uh, that doesn't have a dwelling on it and they rezone it and you make a profit for the first uh, hundred to $500,000 worth of revaluation increase, so if you had a, a million dollars worth of dirt and they rezoned it and all of a sudden it was $2 million, for the first $500,000 you pay 62.5% tax immediately to the government. It's all right. I know it's all right. They're not bastards. I'll give you a loan at 9%. <laughs> but... You've, you've, you've made 500000 you've still got 500000 to go. So they discount the tax for the next exponential amount to just the minimal 50%. Yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, so they've gone, well, this is going to help, right? So then uh, what do you think the property developers said? Whoa, 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 whoa. If you do that, then that's going to do what to the cost of housing? But the government have got their bonus payday. So then, this is a great one. Love this. You can tell I've got a lot to talk about over the next few weeks. But uh, then they raised uh, payroll tax in Victoria. Who loves payroll tax? Ooh. Payroll tax is a tax for being for employing more people and paying more tax in general. So they go, well done. You're employing now 100 people. Uh, you've got a sal- you've got a, a wage bill of over five hundred thousand dollars in Victoria. So here's five almost five percent tax extra. Just for employing people. doesn't go to the people you're employing. doesn't go to you. No. What do you, what do you give for it? Nothing. It's like, why do, and here's the thing, you don't want to employ the next person, do you? Yeah. You want to go, let's keep it under so we don't have to pay 5% on all wages right across the and board. And they bundle you and stuff. Yes, so I love the quotes because it was, quote, and, and there's this brilliant photo of, uh, of um, Dan Andrews looking at, uh, at Tim in, in the photo, to the, the Victorian treasurer, and he's like, I think it was like, did he really just fucking say that? And it was, uh, Treasury insist payroll won't cost jobs. Payroll tax won't cost jobs. I can bloody guarantee you it will. There is no way that that is going to do anything for, uh, for jobs in Australia. So here's the thing. Everything that's happening right about now is about taxes and it's all inflationary. I don't actually know of any disinflationary measures that they've got other than throwing low under the bus, literally. And he, he'll, he'll get out of there. He'll just be like, that was a, that was a shit fight. But do you want to go to a positive thing? Why not? Yeah, let's go to positive. Um, mightn't really be positive. So, uh, so Apple Pay. Did you hear about Apple Pay? I did. Apple Pay. Does hey, anybody right. know about uh, uh, Apple Bank? Does anybody know about Apple Bank? Ah. Interesting. All right, well, let me ask you this question. We live in if interesting times. Apple, Ray, if Apple created a bank account which had reasonable interest rates in there and launched that, how much money do you reckon they would make in the first four days? How much money do you reckon they would attract as saving deposits? Well, shit, that's high. So that, that's up there. So what's the average uh, bank account getting now, just general, general amount of the bank account? Irrelevant of balance in Australia. All right. So if I said to you, all right, 
I'm going to launch, launch a bank um, and uh, I'm going to pay you 4.5% on, on every cent that you've got in the savings account, in that account. What do you reckon? Anywhere in Australia can compete? No do you know way. you can do it on your phone? A transactional account. It's an everyday account. It's not locked away. It's not nothing. You can Apple Pay. You can Apple Pay. You can buy Apple TV yeah. on it too. Apple. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there you go. What do you reckon? Heaps of people. In Name the it. first day, $4 billion in the first day out of the American banking system went from half a percent interest to 4.5% in Apple's bank. So let's have a look at the downstream effect on this. One of the big things that I'm worried about in Australia right now is the fact that they're looking at the franking credit system. And in this room, we talked about franking credits, right? And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about it tomorrow. One of the reasons people invest in Australia is because we have a dividend franking system, which basically means the company pays tax. If you're the company, you make a $100 million profit, you pay, I'll pay uh, 300, 20, 25 or 30, uh, 300, 30% tax. 300 million yep. uh, in tax. You'll pay yep. 30% as a, as a large company listed on the stock exchange. Yep. You pay, the, say, the, the, the extra 30%. Now, when you distribute money to your shareholders, because you've already paid tax on that money, when that money comes back, if I've got $100,000 worth of dividends, it comes with a $30,000 tax credit, right? Because the money has already been paid. Tax. The tax has been paid. So you get 100 plus 30. So $130,000 kind of comes across to you and then that gets put onto your tax. Part rate. of the, the central tenet, the foundation of Australian tax system, is it's illegal to be taxed twice. But uh, that didn't bother most no. of the state governments a moment ago. But anyway, we won't so, go there. Well, so now that they're exploring, and this, this is very much linked to Apple Pay, right? Because if, if one of the reasons they invest in Australia, one is safe, right? It's safe. But one of the reasons it's safe is because people want to invest here and we've got a good banking system. But it's also the franking credits because they do, they're incredibly attractive. So let me ask you this. If the franking credit system didn't exist, right, so you didn't get that franking credit, you got the, the, the $100,000 is what you got and you had the choice of investing in Apple Bank or CBA, who would you invest in? But there wasn't a single person who said CBA in the room here. Right? And here's my, here's my real issue and, and what's happening at the moment is they're toying with the franking system. And whenever they start toying, it's usually a sign that if we start manipulating this here, then it's like a gateway. Then we overhaul and people won't notice subtle changes over time. If we lose the franking system in Australia, which isn't on the cards right now, but they're toying with it, but if we lose that franking system in Australia, then the whole market is, what, would you invest in Telstra? Or would you invest in Skylink? Would you invest in West Farmers? Or would you invest in plug in a super uh, Audi over in, uh, in, 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 in uh, Germany? Thank you. It takes away our competitive advantage of, of a, as a country. One of the core benefits and one of the core reasons that we in, people invest all around the world, one of, one of several, but a core one, is because of the franking credit system and it's also in many of your super funds and even Australians would start to go, well, if I don't get the tax benefit, why wouldn't I just go for the best company in the world in banking, in food, in replay? And then what that does is that puts us on a level playing field with the rest of the world. 
and as 2% of global GDP, so as 2% of production in the world, do we want to be competing with the rest of the world on a level playing field? No. The ramifications of that is we become a mining resources uh, country and that's it. People invest purely in there. So bring us back from the edge, Fenton. So, well, here's the thing. <laughs> well, it's, it's our responsibility yes. right? as, as people to, to voice. Shine to, the light. To Show me the way out. It. Well, <laughs> and, and it really, you can, paint a, you can paint a dark picture, but the, the, the brighter picture is taking responsibility. Political ambivalence is something that is, is prolific. And I think it was Costello who said that uh, politics is downstream from culture. Culture is downstream from values. And so ultimately the only thing I think that we can do is, is hold true to our values. And if our values are about prosperity, our values are about our children, our values are about better business, our values are about a better way of doing things, that is the way that we can all impact. But it's, it's how we communicate our values to the people, our ministers, because if we don't communicate to our members, uh, who are the people who are responsible for communicating up the value uh, value chain, up the political chain? If we don't do that, then they've got plausible deniability that says, well, nobody's making any noise, so we're just implementing policy. But if all of us start to actually live our values and start to communicate from our values, then we've got the ability to change. And change happens small bits incrementally over time. The opposite side of the equation is we sit back and we go, you know what, they're fucking the world, but it's all about me, so let's just take care of number one. And I think that we've got to do both. We've got to take care of number one and we've got to start communicating better with the people who are ultimately connected to the people who should be held responsible out there. And don't listen to the fear-mongering. Cut through and listen to what's really happening so that, you know, we can actually make a change together. And I know that sounds so, I feel like I should be at Woodstock. Hit the song. Um, But the point is this, right? Um, if it's not going to be you, then who? Exactly. Right? So, and, and you know, philosophy, this the idea, like, like we can, you know, do what we can for ourselves and then if we're taking care of ourselves, which I think is important, take care of yourself first, you can take care of others, you know, and part of that is, you know, making sure we understand and communicate the importance of, you know, managing this amazing place we've got, which is Australia, you know. So I, I'm pretty happy to live here. Um, Benton wants to run for, for politics, so we'll vote him in. What do you reckon? Wit, um, wit, Witten for, uh, for PM. <laughs> but so let's throw the positive side over it right now. Where's Australia at right now? What is the biggest theme in the world right now? Almost. I'd say that's a, mass, that's a big growing theme, but what's the biggest theme? American debt. American debt, no. They're, they're themes within themes. What's the biggest one? Green power. Green power, 100%. Australia is one of the best positioned countries in the world when it comes to green power. Nickel, Palladian, rare earths, we have got it in spades. Yeah. The reality is behind us, what's pulled us through the, the GFC as well as low debt uh, was the mining boom. That was steel, that was copper, um, coal, yeah. but we've got zinc, lithium, we've got lithium, nickel. we've got rare earths. Yeah. The mining resource sector, you see people going, no, the, the mining resource sector in TAT, is, and I saw it in, in the Fin Review, bullshit. Everybody that I know in that sector right now is, is drilling, is going berserk, finding new deposits. They are about to double down in this world. We, and we that went has over the there capacity. The other week. Yeah. It's amazing yeah. what's going on yeah. over there. Like we went into the Qantas, the Qantas um, oh. uh, <laughs> like there was a sea. Like I've never seen this in my life. It was amazing. You guys probably experienced it when you are over there. Like, like 
like the the fluoro, the orange and yellow fluoro. There's there's no business people traveling around with their business ties on. It's just like we look like a bunch of tosses, we, we look like we? some tosses. <laughs> we're like, we don't. We, which one of these things don't belong here? It's like us, you know. I know we're going through. They've got. Do you have metal boots? It was like fuck, really metal boots. <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting, right? So, it's going yeah. gangbusters. And what they're doing politically right now, as well with housing and stuff like that, it actually only screams opportunity. Uh, there's obviously sadly, like, and I want to preface this: it screams opportunity for those with um, the ability to look past the bullshit, and those who've got some resources to take an opportunity when they see it, right? And like, and so you know, put this in perspective: like, um, in, in my world, we were we were talking to our you know, world of property investors, like owning a property in Brisbane within 20 kilometres of the CBD for under $500,000 a house, like was going to be extinct. It's like it's never going to happen, right? And five or six years ago, that was completely possible, right? You know, within 20 kilometres of the CBD of Brisbane right now, anything, a house less than a million bucks is almost impossible, Right? These are the things that, that all of us, opportunity, if we understand what's going on, um, or we sit on the sidelines and see some things and look for maybe the negatives in it, right? So why don't we take some questions, Fenton, before we um, um, whack lyrical and, and wine takes the, takes the, uh, takes the, the sideways right, right-hand turn. 100%. Let's, do, let's yep. do a couple of questions. Yep. Debs is going, yes, take more questions. Yes. Oh, no, Debs saying, get going, off, yes. Witted. Get <laughs> off. Uh, what's, our, what's our destination for going out tonight? Oh, our time frame? 6.50. All right. So if, if you want to leave right. well, and get well, clammed least, up. We've easily got 30 minutes of questions, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> All the blokes are going, yeah, mate, we got 45 minutes. The ladies are like, shit, I need, I need some more time. Anyway. All right. Well, why don't we just leave it for there tomorrow? Let's do like... two questions because oh. we haven't. Let's do two questions. But if you want to leave and get glammed up in the room, you're more than welcome to leave. All right. Let's take two questions and then yeah. we'll finish it, Fender. All right. Go All on. Right. <laughs> okay, Andy. Um, I'd like to. Uh, I'd like to get your insights into a perfect pairing: um, Norway and its um, multi-trillion-dollar future fund from uh, the taxation from their resources versus uh, Australia and our SFA from the uh, uh, zero taxation of our resources. Oh, that's easy. Good move, bad move. Uh, look, it's, I, I'm a big fan of, of Costello. I, I got to, to actually spend time with him. I wouldn't call us mates, but I got to learn from him. And, you know, that... That conversation, I, I urge you to watch the, the, the interview with John Anderson and Peter Costello because it, it speaks to this in, in droves. And he, I said it before, he says that politics is downstream from culture, culture is downstream from values. Now, when you look at Nordic countries and the way that they operate, their value system is, uh, is, is around community, their value system is, uh, is around country, right? And... I don't want to get too contentious here on the Australian views, but in Australia it's not uncommon to say that, you know, Invasion Day, right, as an example. I don't want to go into the too much about that, but people persecute Australia for being who we are. Every single country in the world has decimated the population that lived there before or before they took over that land. So let's understand that universally from when there was one or two people that every country was taken over basically by another country. 
Now, that's not nice, but that's the reality of the world. But when you look at Australia as a colony, Australia has done incredible things. It is the most successful colonisation in the world, right, of a, of a, of a play. And we, when we start looking to, to ridicule our past rather than embracing the, the great things that come from it, then our values get lost. And when our values get lost, then we care less about the outcome and it becomes more about who? It becomes more about me, 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 not us and we. And as business owners, we're always talking about we, not I, not you, it's us. And if I was to look at one thing, because the politicians respond to pressure from people, right? Now, they can cultivate a toxic culture and a toxic value system, but it takes time for that to happen. Uh, now, when you do go over to Scandinavia, there's a very different value system, right? They're, they're, they've, their alcohol tax is through the roof because of, uh, of, of suicides and things like that that happen in the winter months, right? And they, they value the work that they do. They pay their taxes. They have an incredible education system where you can go to university basically your whole life until you find your way in the system. They've got a value system that's built around this, and in Australia, somewhere along the, the, the lines, we've, we've, we've lost our values as Australians and as a result, we've allowed the good work that we do as people to be squandered in the taxation and ultimately it's by the politicians, right? But they're not solely to blame. It's, there's a cultural value shift in Australia and until my belief is until we can fix that, then it's a me system and we don't prosper in, we, in me systems. Does that make sense? Me versus we. Yeah, me yeah. versus we. There's another country. There's another country in the world that's a we system, which is Singapore. Anyone know Singapore? <laughs> Pretty cool country. You go there. What's the tax rate in Singapore? Anyone know? Fifteen percent. Right. Yeah. Okay. So um, uh, over there, anyone who earns up to, I think it's seventy-five thousand um, dollars now, earns how uh, pays how much tax? Zero. All right. Okay. The sovereign investment. Um, of, of Singapore um, makes that much money investing around the world. Each citizen every year gets between five and eight thousand dollars back from its country's investments around the world from the taxes we put in. Right. So it's really interesting. You ask about you know other th- those other countries. There's some pretty good examples of that stuff. And I think and when know, the money's spent well, well invest, invested well, right? Yeah, and actually delivered back. People don't mind paying the tax. Yeah. So, you know, if we all said, you know, a 30% tax, but you know what happens? We buy all these investments. We're smart about what we do. And every year, you as an investor in Australia's future with your taxes gets a return on it. You'd be like, yeah, actually, it's not that bad, is it, right? But if you feel like that it's it's a disadvantage, it's an interesting one. It's a, there are great examples around the world to aspire to. And one of those is, you know, the one you mentioned in Japan and not, not Japan, but you know, Singapore and other places, they do really well with their economies, you know, with the money. Um, yeah, I agree. I don't know. Other than moving there, we've got to take care of where we're at, don't we? Really? Mm-hmm. Australia. Moonshine. Huh? <laughs> Any other questions? We'll take one more because we've got to get going. Dr. K, look. Looking. I'm just still confused. Like the question is why are we not taxing our resources to make a future fund for our country like Norway has done? I thought you thought it was the allocation of the tax that's already no, in place. No, why are we missing out on creating a wonderful future for our people with well, a resource? No, there's a link there, 
right? And the, 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 the link that's broken is the allocation of the resources. So the, 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 the challenge right now is that we, we can tax everything, right? But if we do not hold that money and spend it well, we'll it's just good money after bad. Now, but we're not taxing them, the resource companies. So there's multiple different levels of this, right? So we can push companies in order to pay taxes in different countries and we're trying to or they're trying to manipulate the system so that they can't avoid paying taxes out here. But typically larger companies are smarter than governments, right? And as Kerry Packer what's, said... What's you, you saying? You, you, get, uh, you, know, you get the... Um, the a-class students work for the C-class students and the B-class students work for the government or something like that. Like often, you know, the entrepreneurs um, end up employing, <laughs> unfortunately, maybe the smarter people in that sort of space. But um, And we can tax them, but ultimately if that tax money isn't reserved, doesn't go into a future fund right now, and that's the, I think that's the big question. It's like where does the tax money go? Where is the tax revenue going? In Victoria, it's gone into East Link that turned into West Link that turned into North West Link, which is now linking nothing. But it's been multiple billions of dollars that has just been pushed straight down the drain. And so the problem is we can tax the companies, but if, if the allocation of those taxes doesn't go to a, a good benefit, that's the second challenge in there. Uh, and so I'd go, well, look, let's not tax it if we're not going to use it to, to better good because at least BHP and a few of these other country, uh, companies will actually be employing people in Australia. It's not a perfect solution um, and I think it's a much, much bigger conversation because ultimately, yeah, if we're digging it up, sh- shipping it out, we should be savouring what we then take from our revenue in order to build better futures. But that is multi-leveled, multi-layered. Multi-layered. No, well, we don't make this late. And, and again, this is wine-fueled opinions. I think that I think the politicians are spineless and they don't have enough vision, personally. Um, and they should be taxing in our country those multinationals that pay low to no tax and keeping the resources in our country. I think they're gutless, um, but maybe they don't have the capacity. I'm completely uneducated in, in that level of thinking. Maybe we could um, ask old Costello one day to come on our podcast one day. We'll get him here a wine and wisdom and see what pick his brain. Oh, I think he'd reject with with great glee. <laughs> ah, well, you never know, especially if he watched uh, watched us uh, uh, calling them the number one menace. But listen, let's call it let's call it a night. Um, thanks for hanging around, everyone uh, online tonight. Thanks for you guys hanging out and then uh, listening to our wine field rants. Um, logistics, Deb, quick. Uh, right, before we do that, let's uh, say good night to everyone. Thank you for joining us again. We promise to, to come back with more Wealth, Wine and Wisdom to <laughs> unleash more of these, uh, these topics of conversation these, these over rants. the coming weeks. All right, those in the room. Deb, what's the logistics? Thanks for watching another episode of Wealth, Wine and Wisdom. Make sure you like, subscribe and turn on the notifications so you never miss a thing, folks. We'll look forward to seeing you next time. Debrief the week with Wealth, Wine & Wisdom every Friday at 5pm Victoria and New South Wales time. We know that Queensland, South Australia, WA have different time zones as does Darwin, but we're sure that you can do the calculations depending on whether it's daylight savings or not. You can also catch up on all the episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you check out the Positive Mentor podcast from our six-star team at positivementor.com.au.